This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Boy, am I glad that you've joined us for another episode of the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. I'm here again with my co-host, Leslie Bennett, and we're giving you our final pointer on the business on church business. That's right. It's been an incredible journey so far, um, talking about all of our principles that we want to lay out for business uh, for churches as they think about running the business of church business. And our last one is the importance of having lots of one-on-one meetings, because everybody loves another meeting, right? I know. You know, it's funny, Leslie, because uh, when I talk to other pastors and leaders, a lot of times they say, hey, I really hate meetings. They, In fact, sometimes I feel like when I'm with certain leaders, groups of leaders, they almost try to one-up each other on how much they detest going to meetings. And what I think they really mean by that is that leaders hate going to meetings that they are not in charge of. That's probably true. Exactly. Because <laughs> they think the meetings they are in charge of are dynamic. Super important. Super important. Yeah. Everyone should take notes. Right. So when we talk about that, having lots of one-on-one meetings, what are we really referring to? Okay, so at a church like ours, we have a congregational polity. I mean, we are we do have a strong pastor-led form of church government where deacons serve. We have committees that advise us, but they don't make the decisions. But ultimately, the decision-making authority rests in the hands of the congregation. Now, because we have a large church and a multi-site church, the congregation has delegated a lot of that authority back to the pastors and the staff that works here every day. So we're not in a situation where if we want to change the color of the carpet or repaint a hall, way. We don't have a church vote on that. We just we just do it. Even when it comes to hiring and firing, other than the senior pastor, we don't have a church vote on that. We, we're just able to, to do it. But if we're going to make significant changes, whether they have to be voted on by the congregation or whether we are technically authorized to make these changes, changes to our culture, changes to our church name, changes to our facilities, changes to our financial situation, changes to you know significant changes when it comes to employees or pastors or ministers. We need to make sure that we have a sense of buy-in from the key influencers in our in our congregation. You can't just do these things by fiat. And even if some of our listeners have an elder-led, a more elder-led polity, you still can't just go into a room with a small group of people and come out and make sweeping culture changes, name changes, facility changes, structure changes to the organization. At least maybe you can, but it's usually very unwise. And so I think having one-on-one meetings to prepare the key people in your church for the changes that you're making or that you're hoping to make is absolutely vital. And this is a skill I see a lot of pastors, especially younger ones, fail to develop. Okay, They think because the Bible and their sense of authority and their constitution and bylaws and blah, 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 they think they should just be able to go in and kind of just make the changes and everybody ought to get in line. I don't think in most cases that's wise. And I don't think in most cases that works. Right. And you talk about there's Three kinds of meetings that we want to have. So what are those three kinds of meetings? That's right. Whether it's a staff meeting, a decision-making meeting, a meeting of elders, or a meeting of the church, Mm -hmm. there's always the meetings before the meeting. Mm -hmm. Then there's the meeting itself. And then there are the meetings after the meeting. And all three meetings are very important. Okay. And so we call it 
spilling cracker barrel, barrel syrup around here, <laughs> yeah, right? That's right. Um, because you have to take a person out to eat. We've talked about this. We're doing a sermon series right now about meals being relationship builders, relationship equalizers. Mm-hmm. So how, would you recommend that that's how you have the meeting over a meal? Yeah, I, I learned this from Kevin Ezel. So when I worked for Kevin Ezel at Highview Baptist Church in Louisville, I was, I was with them for over 12 years. Kevin called it spilling cracker barrel syrup, okay. and I borrowed that term from him. And what he means by that is that was his favorite restaurant in Louisville. And so anytime he met with a deacon or an influencer or a leader or a staff member, it was almost always at Cracker Barrel and it was super early in the morning. And so the principle was before we try to get the whole church to buy into something or do something really big, really different, we need to line it up with our key staff members, our key influencers, maybe our key givers, our key committee members, and meet with them one-on-one and give them the opportunity to hear about the potential change before it actually happens. There are just certain people in your congregation that don't need to hear about a big change in the big meeting with everybody else. And they're going to be offended if they say, hey, how in the world is this happening? And this is the first time that I have heard about it. You might think they're arrogant or out of place, but in general, good leadership means set up the meetings before the meetings. Spill some Cracker Barrel syrup so that by the time you get to the actual meeting, you kind of have a lot of the key people already well-informed, and hopefully already on board with the idea that you're trying to push forward. All right. So what kinds of people are we talking about? I think you've already referred to one of them, um, the influencers. So what do you mean when you say meet with your key influencers? Yeah, there's several kinds of people that that I would suggest that uh, we meet with. The influencers, who I call the troublemakers, the people I call the grandstanders. Uh, You need to meet with your opponents, and you need to meet with your supporters. So let's start with influencers. All right. Influencers are people that are smart, they're thinking people, they're invested in your church, probably even invested in your leadership. They've been around, their reputation is good, and when they speak, they're like E.F. Hutton, if you're old enough to know that commercial. (laughs) When they speak, people listen. They're not necessarily negative, but they're not yes people. And I found these influencers to be some of the most viable relationships for me to build because they're not yes people. They often give me feedback that I don't want to hear or don't expect to hear. Maybe they uh, share from a perspective that I have not considered or that I've not heard yet. And so these are influencers and I've got to get with them and get their feedback and their input. And I really need them on board because they're influencers. If they hear about something in a meeting with everybody else, even if just at the first blush, they don't like it, that could create a crippling situation for me as a leader. And if they're not going to be on board, I kind of need to know that ahead of time so that I can either work around that or work through that. Or maybe I even need to change the idea, the way I'm going to present it, or change the timing. I don't know, but these influencers are vital. I actually want my influencers in my church to turn out to be advocates for the idea in the meeting yeah, because they've had time to process it and had time to get on board. And they are actually a little bit honored that I gave them some individual opportunity to hear about it, think about it, process it, and even give some input to how we're going to present it on the front end. Okay. So the influencers, and now we move to the troublemakers. Sounds like another key component. Yeah. I don't know if any of our listeners have troublemakers in their churches. I doubt it. Probably not. Yeah. Probably Uh, just us. Probably just us. We do have some people. And look, I wouldn't label them troublemakers when I'm speaking to them. So just so you know, guys- Don't 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 set up the appointment with I need to meet with you at Cracker Bro because you're a troublemaker. Um, Very wise. But there are troublemakers. These people are inclined to express a distrust of leadership at every public opportunity. There are just certain people in your church that just their default setting is I don't trust leadership. 
Their default setting is leadership's trying to get one over on us. They're trying to hide the truth. They're trying to benefit themselves at our expense. It's almost like a labor versus management mentality. And there are just certain people that feel that and every church has these people. And so you want to meet with these people before you have the meeting because you want to give them an opportunity to maybe blow off some steam, maybe give you some feedback, maybe give you uh, express uh, if they have negative feelings. You may want to have an opportunity to try to convince them that your heart is right, that the idea is right. And sometimes you can bring them over to your side. Every church has, when I first came to family church, there were some guys that used to come to business meetings and they would almost literally heckle me. Yeah. The entire, Leslie, you were there, right? They would literally heckle me the entire meeting. And uh, what I tried to do just to keep myself with a smile on my face so I wouldn't look heckled is I would picture the two old guys in the Muppets that set up in the balcony. (laughs) And so I would picture and I would think of those guys as these guys and uh, try to keep a smile on my face and keep a kind attitude in my heart. But you got to identify these people and meet with them first. And we've had some different things happen in our church where that's been very beneficial from selling property to uh, changing our leadership structure to dealing with our bylaws. All of these things required me to have one-on-one meetings with people that I would say are generally troublemakers in our church. And it takes time, as I've observed that. I mean, you've been the pastor here for 11 years, and I think it's just been the last couple of years that we've been able to have business meetings without that dynamic at play. That's so true. It, it takes a long time sometimes to win these people over, but I think your longevity here has helped to win a lot of them over. You have found a way to get them on your side. Okay, influencers, They're either on my side or they gave up. Are they li- yeah, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> um, influencers, troublemakers. Yeah. What's our next one? Grandstanders. Yeah. So grandstanders are people that probably have good hearts, but they love the microphone. They want to talk. They want to tell stories about the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. They want to remind people of their importance and how long they've been at the church. They want to give a list of all of the different positions that they've held. I've been the vice chairman of this and the chairman of that and the president of this and I've taught the class. And they want to drop the names of all the former pastors that they think are better pastors than you and talk about how close they were to them. And there's all of these people. And you have to give these folks an opportunity to speak directly to you before they get up in front of the whole church or their Sunday school class or, or other groups. And just a little pro tip, One of the things that I do at all of our business meetings is I'm the moderator of our business meetings and I hold the microphone at all times. Mm -hmm. And you'll observe this. I don't give it up. People try to take it from me and they're immediately in an arm wrestling match because I am not giving up the microphone. If someone wants to say something or ask a question, I say, just go ahead and ask the question. I have good ears. I can hear and I will repeat the question for everyone in the room. And I do that because there are just people who want to take the microphone and then they want to make a speech disguised as a question. And I would prefer for that not to happen. So I hold on to just a pro tip uh, there. I just want to say thank you for that because I've just brings fear into me every time I see somebody hand away a microphone in a meeting like that, because I've been in a lot of meetings and it never turns out good. It never turns out good. People say very strange things when they have the microphone that you have to recover from. So, all right. So our grandstanders and then who? Well, I think our opponents, I mm-hmm. mean, you, and, and you say, well, what about the troublemakers? Well, the troublemakers tend to be not necessarily opponents. They just have a distrust of leadership. You do have people in your church, or you may have people in your church who genuinely don't like you. They don't trust you. 
They don't believe in your leadership. They don't agree with the changes you're trying to make or any of the changes that you already have made. And these people are going to line up votes and actually oppose you. Okay, I have had those in our church. I probably have some of those right now, but they haven't had a good opportunity to leverage that lately. But most pastors have these kind of people in their church. And so I would give you encouragement to meet with them one-on-one. If you say, well, I don't trust them. I can't meet with them one-on-one. Okay, then meet with them one-on-two. But I I would encourage you to have meetings with them ahead of time. Give them a heads up. They will still feel honored that you gave them an opportunity to speak into it early. They will still feel honored that you uh, sought out their input individually. And I would encourage you to meet with your opponents. And honestly, if you're going to have to have kind of a debate in public, wouldn't it be nice to know what their most what their strongest arguments and their strongest reasons are before you get to the meeting in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. So I would meet with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would meet with them before the meeting. Okay. Now our supporters. Well, every pastor has people like, so my dad's kind of like this. My dad has been the chairman of deacons, chairman of personnel committee at his Baptist churches his whole life. He's a layman. My dad's just a pastor's guy. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if he's in the church, he's in the church because he loves the pastor. He believes in the pastor He's not going to go against the pastor. Mm -hmm. And whatever the pastor says, as long as it's like not directly defying something in the Bible, he's going to do it. And he thinks everybody should do it. Mm -hmm. So I have people like that in my church, too. Mm -hmm. They're just pastors, guys. The ladies are going to support the pastor. And so I already know that. But you know what? I want to get them on my side, too. And the reason I want to get them on my side is I want them in their support to be wise, about what they say. I want them to have the right information. And I may even want to ask them to tamp down some of their zeal because sometimes their zeal can be, even with a little bit of misinformation, can actually damage the change that I'm trying to make. So you want to meet with them, make sure that they're being strategic about their use of their influence and their voice, and make sure that they have good information so that they're not spreading what turns out to be misinformation, even if they do it with the best uh, heart and the best of intentions. So that's a lot of meetings. Do you have to have all of these meetings every time we go to make a major church decision? Well, well, I will tell you, Leslie, I found that when you first start out in a church, you need to have more of these meetings. You've got to establish relationships and establish rapport. The longer you're there, the fewer of these you need to have, but you still need to have them. And I have been in multiple situations where I got into a meeting and I realized I allowed myself to get lax. I allowed myself to be overconfident. I didn't have the right meetings before this meeting, and now I'm paying for it. Okay. And it's such a simple principle, mm-hmm. but it's so easy to get comfortable and to feel like, hey, I'm kind of beyond that. Uh, you're not beyond that. Okay. And now you have these uh, meetings before the meeting, then we have the meeting. You also referred to the meeting after the meeting. So what does that look like? Well, I would go and pull one-on-one or in small groups, all of these same groups of people, these same people you need to follow up. So I found that if I feel like they're important, uh, it's important for me to have a meeting before the meeting with someone, spill some Cracker Barrel syrup, I kind of need to have a similar meeting to follow up. And maybe I don't need the same level. I don't need the same investment of time. Maybe I can do it with a phone call. Mm-hmm. But I need to follow up. Everybody I talked to before the meeting got their input. Then I had the meeting. Now I need to follow up with all of these people relatively quickly so I can say, hey, what'd you think of the meeting? And it's even more helpful if I can show them that I took their input to the meeting. Mm-hmm. So if I can say, hey, thank you so much for giving me that idea. Thank you so much for helping me change the wording. Thank you so much for it, because that really made a difference. And I, I'm just so grateful to you. 
So I just think expressing gratefulness, even if someone opposed you in the meeting, I've made it a practice of following up with people who have opposed me in the meetings and say, hey, what did you think? What could we be doing different? What's your chief concern coming out of the meeting? And I think that's very, very, very important. So this just seems very wise to me. But my my first question when I think about all of this is how do you identify these people? Well, I think I, I gave you some handles for that, but some of this is just your gut instinct mm-hmm. and some of it is being a good listener. And if you don't trust your gut instinct or you can't figure out who or who, ask some people in the church, they'll tell you who they are. Okay. I mean, some other people on your staff, some other people on your team, some other people that you trust, they'll tell you who the influencers are. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you who the troublemakers are. They'll tell you who the grandstanders are, who the opponents are, and who the supporters are. Ask somebody who's been around the church for a while. They'll help you put all of these people in the right category so you can have the right preparation for the right kind of meetings. That's incredible. So there you have it, the business on church business. We've covered 10 separate topics. What are they? Number one, know your bylaws. Number two, lawyer up. Number three, pay for an outside audit. Number four, set the senior pastor's compensation. Number five, be prepared to manage risk. Number six, cash flow is king. Number seven, hire the best people you can afford. Number eight, Hire slow, fire fast. Number nine, create feedback and accountability loops for your team. And number 10, have lots of one-on-one meetings. And if you will do this, it will help your church be in business for a long time doing the kingdom business that Jesus assigned for us to do. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.